Welcome to the In The Cut Fantasy Sports Podcast with your hosts, John Fish and Ryan Venancio. What's everybody up, everybody? Welcome in another episode, episode 15, I believe now, of the In The Cut Fantasy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, John Fish, joined, as always, by Ryan Venancio. Ryan, what's up, man? What's going on, Fish? How we doing? Oh, not doing too bad. Just uh, had the itch to record a pod a little bit earlier today, so um, we decided to fire one up, and we are joined by some guests this evening. Uh, Dom Rallo. Dom, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, Fish? What's up, Ryan? Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. And we also got AG, Anthony Gialdi in the house. Anthony, what's up? What's up, Fish? What's up, boys? Good to talk. So this is uh, this is our usual crew, minus a couple guys that are uh, currently in the Gladiator draft. Um, this is our normal crew the, uh, for the Friday nights, uh, you know, our a little get-together, our little discussions that we have on, on the late Friday nights. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're doing it on a Saturday night, and we're actually potting it. So um, we're just going to have a little discussion. Just It's going to be just a broad discussion. There's really no topics. We're going to maybe do some player comparisons, uh, who we prefer between this guy and that guy, and then maybe just talk a little bit about the board and and, and whatever. So. Um, what we are showing, if you're following along on Twitter right now, is Draft Champions ADP from December 1st to today. So it's got 18 drafts in there, and you can see, um, you know, kind of where guys are going uh, lately. So um, we're just going to, you know, kind of base it off that, and and we're just going to go from there. Uh, Dom, I'll start with you. You did um, a ton of gladiators, and you know I don't think you're quite back into the DC game yet. But uh, I guess just like, how did your gladiator season go, and what what are you taking from the gladiator season and trying to imply in the draft champion season? And also, you know, draft champions is kind of a different, you know, game basically. So I guess what uh, what are your thoughts about your gladiator season and and, and you know, the draft champions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, you know, I, I obviously, uh, I started doing draft champions, right. I think I was in the first DC that they actually opened up to the public, um, you know, during the playoffs. So I hopped in right away and, uh, did about four DCs and then they opened up the gladiators and I went, uh, pretty hard. Are we still going? Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so I, I did about a dozen. I don't know. It was like it was like spiraling for a second, so I just wanted to make sure it wasn't my connection. <laughs> You're good, man. All right. Um, yeah, it's it's such a different game. Um, it's hard. You know, I I think the gladiators went well. Um, obviously, we were kind of drafting with, um, you know, kind of assumptions, right? A lot of people hadn't signed with their teams yet trades hadn't been done yet so you're kind of drafting assuming certain things like i think uh the having some technical difficulties here with the internet connection with dom i think uh good situation. oh the, uh, yeah dom you're cutting out a little bit oh crap all right 
All right. Are you back? I think you're back now. I think you're good. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, anyway, so yeah, I, I think I think it went well. I you know, I, I was able to implement my strategy um for for most of the gladiators. In terms of how it's gonna go back to DCs, it's gonna be really hard. Um I, it's a totally different mindset. Like obviously, you know, DC brain, you have to really think about how you're gonna um, you know build your team's depth and that's just not a consideration at all in the gladiator so it's really something that um i have to refocus towards and i was gonna i was telling you guys before we started you know my plan for january was to look at every single team and kind of like do a a little bit of a player breakdown of each team and just really assess the depth and opportunities and um things like that for where i could possibly see players deeper down in the organization making their way um just to kind of refocus back in the dc because it's totally different um animal yeah we saw in the gladiators how you know the closers got pushed way up and they do to an extent in dcs as well but not quite uh not quite as much as as the gladiators especially like the second and third tier um so that's definitely something that's different in the DC game as opposed to the Gladiator. AG, you were in a bunch of Gladiators as well. Um, I guess kind of the same same question for you. Like, uh, you know, the transition back to DCs, like, I don't know when you're planning on getting another DC, but, uh, you know, you did a bunch of Gladiators and you still got a couple coming up. So what are your thoughts about that? So I've I've not fa- I've not found I, – I started a couple uh, – uh, low-level DCs just to kind of ease my way back into it. And I've not found myself with any kind of hangover from Gladiators as far as, like, trying to draft things too early. Or it's it was an easy transition back. I will tell you it was a much tougher thing to get into a Gladiator uh, mode. Uh, so for people for next year, because, you know, they're done with signups for this year. But for people for next year – it's going to be it's going to be a shock to your system if you had if you didn't do any this year. But once you get the hang of it and you understand it, it's so fun. And um, uh, for the DCs, which I know is the topic here, I, I really don't think it's a problem to get back into that mode. Uh, I do think you have to you do have to think about the longer draft and you have to plan it out. Um, a lot of people talk about how we like to draft, you know from backwards to forwards and, and see what you like late so that you can plan your early picks. Um, you don't do that with, with gladiators. So uh, it, it does take some time. And Dom, to speak to what you said, I'm in the same boat. I told myself, you know, I really just, I really just want to study for a while and not draft. And I found myself wanting to draft so bad after the gladiators signups ended. So I just kind of eased myself back in, did a few slows and, it kind of satiated my my uh, my appetite to get some drafts going, and I haven't studied as much as I want, so I really do need to get on the ball there. Yeah, that's uh, the the thing with the gladiators is, you know, it's the it's the fast drafts, right? So you're drafting minute minute picks that we did a bunch of those, and usually we're not doing those kinds of drafts until March. So trying to transition back into a slow draft for DCs is. It can, it can be tough. It feels like you're waiting forever. And I know that's kind of what the, the, you know, the ballpark that I'm in right now in my current DC, I'm like, let's go people, make your picks, make your picks. And I got to remind myself, well, it's a slow draft, you know, we're not in 
fast draft mode uh, quite yet. So, um, Ryan, uh, question for you with with the Gladiators. Um, you're really knowledgeable with like prospects and stuff like that, but they're very tough to draft in Gladiators. Um, did you find yourself holding back at all? from the prospects or were you um, still on board with a lot of the, you know, the big name prospects that are coming up? Um, I definitely held back a little bit because like, for example, if you draft Jordan Walker and let's say he doesn't get called up until mid May, uh, you can't volume your way uh, to, you know, third base or CI or util or wherever you would have him in a gladiator until he gets called up. So um, as interested as I am in Jordan Walker, I, I wasn't able to draft him in a gladiator just because I, you know, I am not sure when he's going to get called up. Um, the one guy, um, I believe I have a few shares of, but if, if I don't, I wanted to draft him with Grayson Rodriguez because, I, um, you know, I, I just think he's going to, uh, start the year in the big leagues, but there's only a handful of guys where I think that's the case. Um, in Gladiator, so it was really difficult to draft prospects in that format. Yeah, it definitely was. I got a, actually a few shares of Jordan Walker, and kind of when I was done with my Gladiators, I was kind of looking back, and I was like, man, I probably, you know, maybe, I think I have four shares out of seven teams, and I'm like, it's probably a little much uh, for that format, but you got me hooked on him, so I blame you if things do not go that well. <laughs> he's, a st- he's a stud. Let's just uh, hope he breaks camp. Yeah, he just, and if he doesn't, I just hopefully he can be up soon. You know, I don't want a half season. I need at least three quarters of a season. Um, But uh, we have a surprise guest to the show tonight. Um, Our our good buddy, uh, he's quite the homer um, of the of the Boston Red Sox, and uh, Jason Dupont. Jason, what's up, man? How we doing? I'm celebrating uh, Rafi Devers' extension over here. <laughs> I bet you are. <laughs> well, it's finally it's nice to you know that they were able to lock that in and give um, a lot of I know a lot of Red Sox fans were um, kind of all over Chain Bloom about his uh, decision making so far. But not uh, me, yeah, <laughs> not me. I, I trust I trust Bloom, uh, but I've I've gotten a kick out of the last couple months seeing people panic about the Red Sox. Um, I think it's so overblown and I'm taking notes and all the comments and uh, off season's not over yet. And I think they're going to be much better next year. So uh, I'm looking forward to it, but all the panic, the hysteria, now they wrap, wrap up Devers. People think uh, Henry's cheap. That's my favorite one that John Henry's cheap guy's been top six in payroll since 2002. Um, So yeah, no, I haven't been panicked about the Red Sox. I think the future is very bright. Yeah, we were talking in the in the our text message chat or uh, maybe it was the Twitter DM chat. I don't know. It was one of the two. But I was kind of saying that I didn't think that the Red Sox did that bad this offseason. I know everybody wants them to sign the big names, but it's like, do you really want to sign Xander Bogarts to a whatever he signed his deal, 11-year deal? I mean, he's going to be 41 by the time that's done. Like, he's probably going to be good for maybe the next four or five years. But, I mean, do you want to, you know, a shortstop? 35 years old hitting 12, 13 home runs and, you know, not able to really play the defense very well anymore and still have six years left in that contract. Like for me, I think it was kind of a no brainer to let him go. Um, what, what were your thoughts about that, Jason? Yeah. I mean, I wanted Bogarts back. I obviously love him, but 
not at that contract. I mean, you can kick the Red Sox for not getting an extension done in the past, but for this money right here, that contract, unfortunately, will be horrifying. And that's why I love the Devis contract so much. Number one, he's in his peak, and he's only getting better. And 36 years old, all these other megastars are getting 38, 39, 40, 41. His contracts are going to be disgusting. So um, I think the Red Sox made out here. And, you know, again, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years down the line, people look back and say, wow, Red Sox got lucky. They didn't wrap up this star or this star. People don't see it now. Everybody loves the homegrown people. I get it. But um, in the end, Devas was always the priority. And I think it's unrealistic to think that they should have wrapped up Mookie, Devers, and um, Bogarts, all of them. I mean, they make a billion dollars. Of course, you can say extend them, but that's not that easy. Uh, Bogarts is a Boris guy. Mookie, uh, again, there's conflicting reports whether he wanted to stay here or not, but that was not easy. They didn't think they had a chance to keep him. So uh, very happy with how the Devis contract worked out to 36. And uh, best of luck to Bogarts. He's got free drinks in Boston and a bedroom in my house for the rest of his life with the two championships he took down here. Yeah, absolutely. You can't fault everything that he was, you know, was able to accomplish with Boston. So, um, you know, we wish him luck, but yeah, that's uh, I, to me, like I said, I think it's, I think it would have been silly to sign him to that deal in Boston. Um, Jason, I'll just ask you quick. Uh, I asked everybody else, uh, the gladiators, you do a bunch of gladiators. I don't think you do quite as many DCs as the rest of us. Um, I'm not sure what your DC, you know, portfolio is going to look like moving forward. Uh, but the gladiators transitioning to either the DC or, you know, the high stakes leagues that you do, uh, what's, what's your process there? Cause it's, you know, quite the different format. Yeah, well, it hasn't happened yet because all I'm doing is gladiators like an animal, but that will thankfully end on the 15th. And I'm glad I have a couple months of a break. Uh, I To flip over would be a little bit dangerous because my brain for every position is built on where gladiators are. And I know there is a an adjustment. So um, I'm going to have a couple months. After the 15th, I'm done until live events. So I'm going to have two, two months to retrain my brain for uh, snake drafts and auctions. So looking forward to that. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. That should be enough time. Hopefully you can, you know, study some ADP from either the draft champions or if there's other leagues too, that have happened before your drafts, you know, that'll be, that'll be nice to get that kind of info before, before switching back over. Um, Anything ADP wise, I'm, I got the board up here showing people on Twitter, uh, the draft champions since December 1st. Is there anything ADP wise that you guys are seeing that, uh, you know, Maybe it's a shock to you uh, if you're, you're kind of surprised by it um, or you, you think somebody's maybe going too low. Besides Judge going too high? <laughs> <laughs> he's a uh, – yeah, he, I mean, he's a polarizing guy, right? And we're not going to see 60 home runs, I wouldn't think, again. The biggest question for me is kind of is how much he's going to run. I know we've, we've had discussions of that in, in our DM chat as well. Uh, wh- what do you guys see from him – Give me a give me a stat projection line that you think from Judge. Uh, I'm gonna say forty two homers, hundred runs, hundred RBIs, uh, eight to ten steals, and a two eighty average. How many at bats, Ray? Um, I probably haven't projected for one hundred and forty games. 
Yeah, that's that's about similar to where kind of where I am too. Um, yeah, it seems like I where know. most of the uh, it seems like where most of the projections have him at, right? And I think that's like a safe projection. If he gives you more than that, you're obviously very happy. Um, and if he gives you less than that, there aren't many guys that are going to hit 35 homers anyway. So you're probably still happy with that as well. But I haven't taken Judge anywhere yet. Yeah, I totally understand taking like Tucker and Witt, J-Run, J-Ram, Acuna, Turner over him um, because you, it's hard to build without getting a lot of steals from your first round pick. It's certainly not like impossible or like something that's so difficult you can't do, but it just puts you a little bit behind. So I get not like wanting judge with the first four or five picks, but I will say, I think it's a bit of a mistake if people are going to fade him in the middle of the first round. Um, Jason, I know you can't actually draft him, but. Well, Ryan, um, I want to ask you, you're, you're the numbers guy. How do you account for the Goldilocks balls? What do you put into <laughs> your uh, Excel spreadsheet for those? <laughs> so question. In all, in all seriousness, I think the sample that they gave out is just too small to be able to say like, oh, this actually had a huge impact on Aaron Judge's season. Because, um, so I believe they, they gave a sample of like 200, was it 200 baseballs? Maybe it was a little more than that. I think it was somewhere between 200 to 1,000. And they used roughly, what, 500,000 baseballs over the course of the whole season. Um, so we're talking about such a small percentage of the baseballs actually used that it's really hard to get a gauge on like how much that actually impacted Judge positively, how much it impacted, let's say, Garrett Cole negatively, because if Judge is getting you know bouncy balls, that means Garrett Cole is going to give up more home runs because he's using bouncy balls. Um, I, mean, I just he did, he did right. Like look at Garrett Cole's Garrett Cole's home runs last year allowed. What were yeah what were, yeah. With and without Goldilocks, though, that's kind of the question, right? Because he could have just been having a bad season, and everybody wants to blame Goldilocks, but you know, maybe he was just going to give the homers up anyway. You know? Yeah, like everything with MLB, we just don't know. Everybody's don't just know. got guessing and theories. It's so frustrating. You never know a ball anybody's going to use. I mean, you know, they changed yeah. the rules right in the middle of the season. Uh, I really do think last year or two years ago they got rid of the, the sticky stuff, like middle of the season. It's like all these yeah. things need to. We need to know these things. Like yes, we deserve know, not, not not just fantasy players, but like people that like bet on games and stuff like that. Like how about just too much money involved to be switching rules or anything like that mid season? I wonder, and we we will never know this either. Did all thirty teams know that that? that the Yankees got Goldilocks balls? No, because nobody knows until after the fact those balls were juiced a little. So it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, you can't have apples and oranges. They need, they need uniformity. They need standardized baseball, standardized rules. They can't, I, I say they can't, they can do anything they want. And frankly, if we're just hearing about X, Y, and Z that they've done, how many things have they done that we haven't heard about? We don't get to hear about everything that, that Major League Baseball changes, whether it's balls or, uh, you know, humidity, you know, for the humidors. We don't know what they're doing. And uh, it's just – and frankly, last April was the lowest batting average April in the history of the modern era of Major League Baseball. 
Now, you can blame cold weather. You can blame, you know, uh, people swinging wet. I don't know what the reasons were. But how does that happen? So, and then suddenly, the ball just started jumping mid-May. So, I really believe they mess with the baseballs. And it's it sounds like it's conspiracy theory. But the Goldilocks ball is somewhat of a, 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 you know, a support for thinking that there's some sort of a conspiracy going on with MLB with balls where they want to, and all these rules that they've done are also going to increase offense. I really, I wonder what the baseball is going to be. Let's assume it's the same, but we don't know. And the last point I wanted to touch on uh, with, with Aaron judge um, so everyone's talking about that, like with and the, with the Goldilocks ball, but I find it actually pretty funny that no one's talking about how Albert Pujols just like randomly started playing baseball well for the first time in like a decade, and yes. also Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt both had career years at the same yes. time. Yes. So um, again, it's not it's not like um it's not like I'm going full tinfoil hat like conspiracy theory, but I do find it funny that that. Uh, that just happens to happen in the same season uh, as, you know, as ju- as finding, you know, Goldilocks balls, whatever they're going to call them with Aaron judge, because the sample of balls they used was so small, it's fairly reasonable that they just, you know, didn't get baseballs from Cardinals games. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll just never know if that yeah, was actually the case. That's a good point. Yeah. The, I think the Albert Pujols story from last season was, probably one of the craziest things that uh, the craziest storylines. Like, I don't think anybody saw that coming. The guy could barely stand up and he went on a tear in the second half. Guess what? It probably wasn't just the baseball. Who knows? He, he Maybe he really did, you know, find the fountain of youth for half a season. Who knows? Or, or found some sort of, uh, you know, uh, extra training regimen to really push him over the edge, whatever the case was. It's it's conspicuous. It's suspicious, um, but forget all that because we'll never know anyway. So, just uh... well, fish. And then oh, I know crazy. I know we kind of went on a, a bit of a judge tangent, but like you know, it's 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 really weird. Like I don't have an argument with like ADP of like really the board looks pretty like reasonable to me i mean we know and everybody says it pitching is going to move up and you can kind of see the you know group of pitchers in like three and four that i'll probably move up a half around as the next couple months go on i mean the only only one i really like have a strong feeling about is uh tatis at the beginning of round two i just don't know With everything that he's had going on, I mean, it's it's more. I, I get why people are drafting him, but I can't pull the trigger on him where he's going. I think that's taking a bigger risk, and I'd probably need a bit of a discount before I'd even consider drafting him. Probably at least a round um, discount. So that's the one that kind of stick that pops to me where when I'm looking through the board, where I'm like, I don't think that I'm ready to go there yet. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I don't, I don't have any shares yet. I just, uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'll have plenty of drafts in March, including you know the bigger drafts or, that happen in March. Yeah. If he's doing, like, I don't, I don't even really care about the suspension that much. It really doesn't bother me, and it's just, it's not long enough to really have that big of an impact. 
for me personally. Um, but I, I just want to see him like I need to see him in game action or, you know, if he's doing well in spring training, it, just healthy in spring training, basically. OK, then, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll grab a share here or there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, right now I just can't do it. I know he was cleared for workouts and stuff like that. But until I actually see, you know, the, the progress and like what he's doing, what he looks like, I, I, I'm off him as of right now. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent, Dom, with what you said about it's a super risky pick, especially there. But it's a risky pick in the third because he is what he is. If he if he flames out, you know, due to injury or another suspension or whatever, you know, um, it's a it's a killer. But with an overall, people are trying to catch lightning, and that's what he is. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. just lightning bolt, and you're. It's a complete gamble. Now, once once he shows up in spring training and he's launching rockets, th- this will he might even go late first. You know, who knows? Yeah, my my argument for Tatis would be that I think the only like surefire guys that are like gonna be better than him, counting like the whole season games played, are probably the guys going ahead of him. Um, I mean, he is the clear number one fantasy player in our game on a per game basis. So you're getting the number one player in the second round. Um, I think that's enough of a discount for me. Um, but again, that's, that's just me. Yeah. I hear you. Makes sense. It, it's just, yeah, it's just the risk appetite, I guess. Yeah. I think it makes, you know, a, a lot of sense in DCs right now because, you can just build extra depth, I guess, just behind them. Or maybe you take you, you know, if you if you're playing on that shortstop, maybe you take another shortstop earlier as your middle infielder just to cover for him. Um, just well, he'll get that. He'll get that outfield too. We all we all know how bad outfield is, so um, right. getting that too will be nice. I think. Yeah, no. No, I totally get not wanting to draft him coming off three surgeries and a suspension. Like, I get why people, I get why you don't want to take him, but I also, at the same time, think it's enough of a discount because I can't really see him. Like, what it was he going to fall and go behind Paul Goldschmidt and JT Real Muto? I don't think that's just ever yeah, happen. That's, 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 that's never going to happen. In my opinion, it'll probably change. Like, like Fish said, if if I see him in spring and he's looking good and he's hitting homers and everything looks healthy uh, you know that'll that could totally change too and i could i could be i could find myself at the bottom of round one possibly taking him so that's just that's the only thing that popped to me now in terms of how i currently feel as we sit here on january 7th yeah i think uh one guy that stands out for me with the early adp is is kenley jansen um i'd have to filter just since he signed with Boston, but I don't understand why he is. I just still think he's going too late. I mean, to me, there's maybe six closers that have a shot at 40 saves and, and he's definitely one of them. I just don't understand why like end of the round, end of round five here. I just, I don't know. I just, I, there's no way I can take Helsley over him. Felix Bautista, uh, Devin Williams. There's just no way I can take those guys over. I think he should be up Presley, you know, Russell Iglesias. I think he should be up in that, in that area. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, I think he will be fish. I think he'll. I think he'll creep up over draft season here. Yeah, I mean he's kind of like the cockroach, right? Like people want to kill him like over and over and over again. Dodgers fans hate him every year because he blows like one game in the postseason, and um, I feel like he has really never been drafted where he should be going. And year after year, he never loses the closer job uh, for long enough, at least. And uh, he just gets an, a ton of saves every single season. And even leaving the Dodgers, he goes to the Braves, who obviously are a good team, but they're not the Dodgers. And he still saves 40 games. Okay. So same thing's going to happen again next year, I think. He's definitely not being drafted right. high enough. As long as he's upright, he'll get every save chance. Yeah, this goes back into like what I was saying about Boston. Like, I saw a lot of people like, "Why did Boston sign him?" It's like, have you seen Boston's closer situation? Like, this was a this was a terrific signing. And then you know you, you need some things to go right for Boston this year. Tristan Casas kind of needs to break out. You know, is Chris Sale healthy? They're, they obviously have some question marks, but you know, if all everything hits and hits well, I mean, you got you got Kenley at the back end, who's as reliable as they come. The only Concern I have with Kenley is the pitch clock. He just takes so long to, to actually deliver the ball, but he's got a whole off season to, to work on that. Right. So I just think a, a veteran like that should be able be able to easily overcome that. I'm not really too concerned with it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and, and anybody else you guys are seeing that uh, is, you know, just interesting before we get into the, my, my player comparisons here. Um, so this guy is not an early round pick, but I do feel like he's being drafted way too early. And I apologize if any of you guys are super into him, but Andrew Vaughn, I feel like is being drafted way too early. Um, I much prefer, sorry, Jason, I much prefer Anthony Rizzo. Uh, I prefer Ryan Mountcastle. I even think Ty France is better. He's going like 20 picks later. Uh, Rowdy Telez is better. He's going 30 picks later. I get. I don't really understand the Andrew Vaughn, uh, put like being pushed up as high as he is. Even to, I honestly, Josh Bell's probably better too. I don't think I have any of Andrew Vaughn, but I think it's possibly just he's locked into a position now, which is nice. He can settle into his position. He was a super high draft pick. Hits the ball. Um, you know, hit pretty good contact. Doesn't really strike out a lot. It's just kind of the, like the power is like kind of the issue here i don't know what he can does he have 30 home run power is he more of a 20 home run guy that's a pretty big difference if you're drafting for first base you know you get you rely on first base for some power so that's uh that's a pretty big difference i don't know ryan i guess what do you see from a stat line from him um give me one second uh i have 20 homers 78 RBIs, 265 average, uh, and zero, zero steals. Not that that really matters, but. Yeah, um, see, he's, he's going to have to obviously outproduce that to earn that draft spot. Yeah, I just, um, he's an opposite field type of hitter, uh, an, op- an opposite, opposite field fly balls in this environment, assuming that it carries over from last year or like dead. Um, so that's one of the reasons why he's not a huge power hitter. And he hits a lot of low liners and ground balls. Um, you know, he's 25, so there's obviously room for growth. But um, I don't even know if he's any better than Josh Naylor. 
uh, who goes much later than him. Um, and Josh Naylor's like just as young too, um, with just as good of a max EV. So I don't even think like the like Vaughn's upside it even warrants where he's being drafted. Um, yeah, I don't know. How old is he? Twenty five, maybe. He's Vaughn's twenty five. Yeah. I think youth always trumps um, common sense with ADP. People will always try to have the new shiny toy um, and pump it up. And I agree. I think he's, I think he's overdrafted, but um, you know, everybody wants to say I, I had him when he broke out and I'm not so sure you know, he's going to be able to draft capital. Yeah, he's an interesting player. Um, he's not rid of you. People like that. Yeah, yeah. This just the him just being able to relax. I think being able to know that he's an everyday player at his you know his standard position. He's not messing around in the outfield. You know, maybe I think people maybe are seeing you know that something to do with that, and he can maybe have uh, you know a, kind of a breakout season. Yeah. Maybe um, one are you just getting rid of Larusa? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that definitely helps too. Um, one guy that I have actually grabbed a, a share or two of so far, and I didn't, he was a huge fade for me last year, but he's going at a better price now. Is Wander Franco, he's going in the middle of the seventh round. That's kind of where I thought he should have been going last year, but he was getting pushed up so much, especially at the beginning of draft season last year. Uh, I, I just I couldn't believe how high he was going. I mean, there was just no track record there. We didn't see much of a power speed combo. Uh, at least I didn't anyways. And, and obviously he got hurt and stuff and that's, uh, you know, whatever, but round seven now, now this is a spot where I'm, you know, I have some interest now. What about you guys with Wander Franco? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll take it. Um, I, I agree. I've taken him a couple times in spots. I I I don't know. I just feel like I haven't been grabbing the early shortstops. So I feel like I'm always kind of dipping into the waters in like seven, eight, nine, like get it or or later. Um, you know, like I'm getting Javi Baez. I'm getting Horner early on. I'm getting um, Adamas and, and Franco's one where yeah, like you know, I I think. Well, the one thing this year I've been super cognizant about is trying to um, maintain or, you know, constantly improving my batting average as um, the drafts go, you know, as the draft goes on. And he's a guy that I, you know, I think can hit around 300. Um, he's probably not going to give the speed that some people, I think, thought when, when he came up and, you know, he was the number one prospect. But that's something to keep in mind also is like, you know, he's, he's, he was the number one prospect, like whatever it was two years ago, um, like generational, you know, prospect. And he's only, he's going to be 22 um, next year on opening day. So, um, you know, I think the power is developing and, um, you know, maybe with the, the rules, maybe we see his stolen bases tick up, but I think he's really safe on the batting average front. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and, you know, should be a decent amount of runs hitting at the top of the order there. So uh, yeah, I'm very comfortable with this price. And if the, um, 
if my team context allows for it, I'm definitely um, willing to take him where he's going. And I'd, I'd rather take him than like Tim Anderson. Um, I think I'd rather take him than Dancy Swanson too. And I think I'd rather take him than O'Neill Cruz, but I'm not going to take him over those guys. Like I'm not going to like jump him two rounds to take him, but like if he falls and, and, you know, I'd be comfortable taking him. Yeah. I just think um, this is going to be similar to Vlad's 2021. Obviously I don't expect Wander to hit 340 homers, but I think he's going to take um, a massive step forward this year. Um, the stri- the strikeout rate is absurd. It's nine percent. He's twenty one years old. Uh, like Steamer's projecting like a very like incremental growth, and that's just not what happens with phenom twenty one, twenty two year olds. Like usually, like uh, if you look at like uh, Lindor and Betts and Jose Ramirez and guys like that, it's either like year two or three they figure everything out and they just go ballistic uh again vlad same thing happened with vlad and i just think we're gonna see similar so something similar with wander um i mean he's 22 with a 113 max ev and a nine percent strikeout rate that's like not human um so I, the sky's the limit he's a he's gonna be a 330 hitter one day and whether it's next year i'm not sure but where he's going in drafts is very, very reasonable. Yeah, he's definitely held his own for sure uh, so far in the majors. So it's just kind of, you know, can he stay healthy and can he improve on the power and the speed combo? You know, can he be a 325 home run, 15 stolen base guy? I don't know. That's that's kind of the, the question for me. I wonder if he gets lost. That's a huge that's a huge glob of shortstops. If you look, there are four in the second round and there are three in the immediate rounds before. And then you've got a couple, two, three more in the round, a couple rounds after it's just a huge group. And obviously this is a, this is a, a you know, a, a representative of like all drafts. So at any given time, those can go around earlier or later. I think, I think, it would be okay to take him before if you like him. I just wonder if a lot of people play that game, that chicken game with all those shortstops and go, I'll take any of these five guys, that, I, but I want to take care of this first. And so they aren't prioritizing Wander. I think if, if Wander gets a little helium, uh, he could separate. I really do. Because look at the people around him. Is there, I mean, is there anyone that you feel has the ability to to rise up out of that group besides him? Um, you know, there, I like uh, like we kind of know what Bogarts is going to give you. He's going to yeah. give you a good average. He's going to a lot of counting stats. I don't know what he's going to provide for the power. We've seen that kind of fluctuate, but he's just a rock solid hitter in a great lineup. Tim Anderson just can't stay healthy. I think that's his biggest knock. I would definitely take Wander Frank over Tim Anderson. Um, oh. Willie Adamas just had a big breakout, but his average kind of lacked a little bit. Um, does that come up a little bit, or you know, because it's possible that Wander Franco hits sixty points higher than, than Willie yes. Adamas? I think that's definitely a possibility. What, what was Wander's ADP last year? Was it third or fourth round, fifth round? I, yeah, I think he, I think he ended up going around like the like early to mid third. By the time 
uh, crazy. March draft came around. Pretty crazy. And for him to go this low, I think I think he he probably has the prospect of going up out of this group and maybe going in the fourth or fifth by March if things because of his pedigree, you know. Yeah, my biggest issue with having uh Wander on more teams is that I like O'Neill Cruz so much that I draft Cruz as well. So I mean maybe yeah. I double tap um when I get back into DCs, I just grab both of them around pick 80, uh, depending where I am in the draft. But that's been my uh, one roadblock to having uh, Wander is that you know, I think Cruz is also going to have a monster season. It's crazy how deep shortstop is, you know, yeah. just looking at it. Really? Yeah. I agree. Makes yeah, it really but... tough to – makes it really tough to prioritize, like, uh, Bichette. Uh, I'm not saying Bichette's not great because he is great. But my goodness – Look at all those deals. It's just uh, yeah. it's very and, and second base is also pretty deep, in my opinion. I mean, the the two the middle infield slots are so deep. I, I feel like it's just, and we we hear it all the time, and it's it's true. That's why we hear it. Outfield thins out in a hurry in a fifteen team league when you have to start five outfielders. It gets really ugly in a hurry. Yes, it sure does. Yeah, absolutely. Let's jump into uh, just – I got six six kind of, uh, you know, not comparisons, but would you rather this player or this player? Uh, it's just uh, kind of guys that are going next to each other that um, I, I could see arguments for both sides, basically. So, um, Jason, we'll start with you. Uh, Vlad Guerrero or Freddie Freeman, who would you rather have? I would take Freeman. I, I think he's like one of the – two, three safest players in baseball. And uh, I could see the power coming up a little bit, but the, uh, the counting stats, you know, where he is in the lineup, the Dodgers money in the bank. Um, so I, I'd go Freeman. Dom, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think I lean Freeman also. Um, but uh, you know, it's a, it's a very, you know, good decision to have to make. Um, and a lot of times you might be able to get both of them with, how the draft is falling sometimes um but yeah i mean i think i think both are like elite four category contributors um so i don't think you can really go wrong either way i i prefer freeman um just because of the the lineup around him i think is a little stronger um and i think he he could give a little more in terms of steals um but yeah, they're both they're both super safe, and um, you know, they're both uh, you know like almost locks to play 155 games. So that's really valuable um, in the current environment. So I'm good with either one. Yeah, I agree. Ag, what do you think? Uh, I'd go the other way. I'd go Guerrero. Um, I like the I like the the upswing that he's on i like his age i think he's a hall of fame player i think he's i think he does have the capability of a triple crown like season he reminds me a lot um the way he uh, the way he approaches things of of a young miguel cabrera where he can spike up i could see him spiking a 330 average again 340 average with 50 homers and you know just crazy crazy stats he can also you know, he can also pound balls into the ground for a month or two 
you really don't know. But his youth and, you know, he, he ran a little last year too. I just think we haven't – we've seen a great season a couple years ago. Have we seen his career year? He's so young. He's so young. And we know Freeman is safer, but I'm not so sure that Guerrero isn't safe as well. He's just he's just not he's not steady, right? He's spiking great years, then he's having an okay year. And that that's what gives you a little pause and you say, I can't have the okay year. I you know, I, I'll take the chance at him, you know, being a top five, you know, he, he could put in a judge type season. He really could. He really could. So uh, I would I would just lean him, but it, you're talking about, you know, splitting hairs. I mean, they're both fantastic, of course. So, yeah. Ryan, yeah. what do you think? Uh, I'd go Freeman. Uh, he was my first pick of the 2023 season. And uh, I think Jason said he's a top three safest player. I think he's probably the safest player. Um, he's just done it for so long. And has such a good batting average, all five categories. Uh, I don't, I don't think you can go wrong. Sure, Vlad definitely has the higher ceiling. Yeah, you know, like like Ant said, but Fre- Freeman's just too safe to me. You know, when when we did this first Gladiator, and we didn't really know how it was gonna go um, in terms of you know how people were gonna approach it and draft it, I actually thought that. Freeman might go like top four um, just because of like how safe he is in terms of category contribution and playing time and stuff like that. Obviously it didn't work out that way, but um, I, you know, I was kind of like trying to think through scenarios and I was like, I I think there's a decent chance he could go really high, but um, I think that might've just been me kind of prioritizing games played in at bats. Um, into the logic versus how it ended up getting drafted. But um, we'll see how it works out. But he almost always returns value from where he's drafted, which, uh, you know, to say that from a guy that's going late first, early second is is kind of impressive that he does it year in and year out. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't think you can go wrong with either one of them here, but I think I would actually side with uh, AG here with Vlad. I just think that uh, I don't think he's – I think he's going to be somewhere between the last two seasons. And I think he's got a much higher ceiling for power. If Freeman – Freeman might be a 20 to 25 home run guy. I think Vlad's a 35 to 40 home run guy, especially if you can figure out the you know the ground ball issues, which he's such a good hitter. I think he can easily figure that out. So I think I would just side with Vlad there. I don't think the batting average is that big of a difference. Uh, Freeman maybe just a touch higher, but – um, Connie's stats are probably going to be pretty similar. And we did see Vlad run a little bit last year. I think we see him run a little bit again this year, especially with the new rules. So, um, yeah, I'll take the younger guy who is, you know, kind of entering his prime. Um, second comparison, we'll start with you, AG, here. Uh, I've seen some, some Twitter comments on this comparison, and – I know where I stand, so I was just kind of curious where you guys stood. Raphael Devers or Austin Riley? Oh, boy. With Jay on the call? Oh, boy. <laughs> fines are <laughs> off tonight. Remember, he said there would be no fines tonight. So I mean, I'm going to be in big trouble if I don't answer this one. Um, I, I, I 
do lean Devers, but I have to tell you, it's very I, I have them in a dead heat. And I'm not saying that just because you're on the call, Jay. I really do think um I really do think Devers Devers is probably coming into his prime, you know, just like we talked about. But I think Riley has a little edge in power, and doubt and Devers has is I think he'll have an edge in, in, in batting average and and uh of course he's I assume he's gonna hit third, you know, you know, as long as he's you know, in the lineup. So uh, maybe second, I don't know where they're going to hit him, Jay. Um, but I, I don't mind Riley. I just don't mind him. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to sit the fence on this. Um, I think Riley is getting better. Um, I just think it depends on what you like. Uh, I really have, have looked at this a little bit because we've heard, um, you know, we've heard the, the third base, uh, conversation about how shallow it is and uh you know some people are fading machado so it leads you into these two and you kind of ask yourself why is devers always over riley is it because people are just following adp or is it because you know they don't trust riley um i do i trust riley i just think it depends on what you want you want more power take riley do you want more average and you know probably more runs uh you take devers you're 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 gonna win either way again it's kind of like the the guerrero freeman you're really not gonna go wrong but i could easily take riley right where devers goes i don't i don't have a problem if they if they went back to back flip-flopped it wouldn't surprise me Uh, i i just think it's i think riley is real I don't think he's going to fade back and and have a bad season. I don't think he's going to hit 240. I do think he's probably more like a 260, 265, 270 hitter than a 290 hitter. But uh, I like I like Riley quite a bit. I would take Riley by a hair. Yeah, I think for me, I would take Devers here because I just think that we have not seen Devers' best season yet. I think that he's going to have a a 315 45 home run season. I just think that's very well in the, in the realm of possibility. And I think this year, I think this year could be, could be that year. Um, I think that Devers, I, th- I just think there could be a, a 40 point disparity in batting average. I think Devers could hit 310 to 315, where Riley yes. I think is, uh, has the possibility to hit 265 to 270. You know, yes. I, th- I just think that that's kind of where, where I stand between those two. You can't go wrong with the counting stats of either one of them. Uh, the RBIs and runs are going to be fantastic for both of them. And in, in the power I view is kind of similar. So the, the edge for me is Devers because I think that the batting average is the, the thing that puts me over the edge. And that getting uh, that batting average early is a big deal. I mean, we've talked about this before. You really want to bank some batting average. You don't want to take 250 hitters with your first you know, three or four hitters. It just puts you in a batting average hole. So I, I – I can't argue with that. I really can't. Um, yeah, I just think that with Riley, I think that there's a possibility that he could hit 260, right? And then absolutely. now he's kind of now he's kind of becoming a three category player in the second round. I mean, yes. You're not getting any speed, and you're also not really addressing your batting average. So it's just it's really tough for me right now to take Riley. But I I totally understand why uh, with, why people are taking him. Makes okay, totally and cool. I'll let the other guys talk. But I have a question for you, Fish. Do you feel like that, that, and this is 
in danger of getting fined for even talking like this. Do you feel like lineup context plays any any decision, any part of your decision, or do you feel like it's really a moot point? I mean, they're both so so good of a hitter that it's not a big deal, you know, that Atlanta maybe has a better lineup than than Boston right now. Yeah, I mean, the lineup context always, you know, matters a little bit. But I think that, I mean, the, the Red Sox lineup isn't, in my opinion, any worse than last year. I think we're going to see, obviously, you take Bogart's out, you know, that's kind of a little bit of an issue. But I think we're going to see Trevor Story bounce back. And, you know, they, they signed the, uh, the Japanese guy who I think is going to possibly lead off and, yeah. I, I don't know. I just think that uh, Devers is is perfectly fine if he's going to be hitting in the two or three hole. But yeah, the, the Atlanta offense is probably slightly better. So right before Devers got hurt on July twenty second, he was hitting uh, three hundred and eighty plate appearances, roughly eighty seven games, roughly half a season. Devers had twenty two home runs, sixty two runs, fifty five RBIs hitting 324 with a 52% hard hit rate and a 13% barrel rate. Elite, elite, elite production. Then he got injured. Uh, he missed a couple of weeks in July. He came back in August, and he was just bad the rest of the season because he clearly wasn't healthy. I think Devers is – and it's reflective in ADP. I think Devers is a step below Vlad in terms of talent. Um, and I'm just uh, – I'm taking Devers all day early second round. Yeah, me too. Dom, what do you think? Yeah, I lean Devers, but I'm I'm like I pull it up there stat right now. It's it's actually a lot closer than uh than I thought, but my gut reaction was Devers. Um you know, I think I think uh Anthony nailed it on the head like um they're going to give you similar power um counting stats. It's the average and I think Devers has the ability to really stand out and average over um, Riley, but Riley has, you know, has made improvements since he initially, you know, came up that first year. He was striking out 36% of the time, but since then he's been hovering around like 24, 25%. So, um, and, and even if he does hit 250, 260, like obviously it's not going to lift your team up, but if you look at the, you know, your batting average targets for this year based on 80th percentiles. I think you're trying to hit like 252 or so, if, if I remember from when I was looking at this in my first couple DCs. So he's he's not going to kill you. Um, right. So, you know, I, I would, I'd be happy taking Riley, but I would uh, prioritize Devers if I had the choice both there and I wanted to fill third base. Yeah. Jason? Next. <laughs> Not in all honesty, I would take him ahead of judge. That's my answer. <laughs> oh, I love it. Love it. Hey, you got to give it to him. He's consistent. He yeah. is. I mean, yeah. Second round of those gladiators. Well, Jason. Jason. <laughs> yeah. No, second round of the gladiators. Devers is there. You know, it's like a lock. Jason's going to Absolutely. Take <laughs> All right, we'll start with Jason with the next one then. Uh, Tristan McKenzie or Tyler Glass now? They're going right next to each other. Yeah, they're not even remotely close in my world. Uh, McKenzie. Me either. <laughs> yes. Same here. 
Because I like I, innings. Yeah, exactly. It's it's the exact same uh, reason here. I just, I mean, what is Glass not going to give you for innings? Yeah. What did he throw six last year? It's like if I can join a per inning uh, roto league, I'll take Glass now. Otherwise, I'm a, I'm on McKenzie. Yeah, yeah, same here. That's that's all there is to it. It's just funny that they're going right next to each other, and it's pretty clear for us. Um, Ag, what do you think there? It's 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 like two galaxies. I I have zero glass now. I don't think I will ever gla- draft glass now this year because he'll never drop low enough. I don't think he pitches over a hundred innings. Now I could be wrong. Maybe he's just a workhorse, and this was all a, a facade. And here he comes, and he's going to have 160 innings coming from six, and everything's great. I don't want to play that game. I can't play that game in the sixth round. I need I need a guy who's putting up innings. And there's way better guys. I, I have to say, I would take guys in the next couple rounds over Glass Glass now. I'm not a Glass now guy, so it's a terrible question for me. McKenzie, all day, all day. Yeah, same here. Ryan? Uh, yeah, I don't actually think it's even remotely close. It's McKen- McKen- McKenzie, McKenzie by a wide margin. Yep. Dom, what do you think? So, I, I like maybe it's that glass, you know, like th- these drafts, uh, I, you know, went off kind of right after the playoffs, and Glass now looked good in the uh, the game against the Guardians that he pitched. You know, I think he went like five and a third or five and two thirds, and and he dominated. Like he's really good when he pitches, um, but. Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't pitched over a hundred innings since 2018, when he got traded to Tampa. So, unless you know, unless you have Cole and um, you know somebody else, maybe like Cole and Strider or Cole and Woodruff, and you know he's there for you in like round seven, and you're like, well, I can take Glass now as my third starter, and you know. But I, I can't do it. Um, that being said, I don't really have much McKenzie either. Um, so they're just two guys that I'm kind of just both glossing over. So I can't really say um, say strongly either way. Um, but I, I do think that taking glass now here is, is a little tough. Um, Gladiator, you know, I, I think he is worth a shot in the Gladiator format for the couple of drafts that are still left like if if he's your third or fourth starter because if he does pop 100 innings and and his contract is incentivized and he's far enough removed from the tommy john that he should be able to get you know get as much as he can um you know i i think he's going to be really really good so um i think in the gladiator where um if he gives you 120 innings and he gets you know, or, or whatever. If he gives you 110 innings, um, the strikeouts are going to be good. Though ERA and WHIP is going to be good, and he plays on a good team, um, so you're not really um, worried about replacement level. It's just what your guys that can give you are. Um, if you kind of cover your innings elsewhere, I think he's not a bad play for the Gladiator. But um, I think I only, I might only have one share of him. And I don't like playing doctor ever because we are not good at predicting injuries. Um, it's just very hard to do, nearly impossible, with someone who isn't injured going into the next season. 
that Glasnow is healthy, we would assume. Mm. But in 2019, he had a forearm strain. 2021, he had an elbow sprain. And 2022, um, well, he got Tommy no, John. Got, he got Tommy John at the end of 2021. So that's why he came he, back. This yeah, year. yeah, yeah. I'm saying 2022, he missed all the time from the elbow injury. So it's um having now. A, yeah, but having <laughs> having a forearm strain and then having and then uh, tearing your UCL. It's just like I don't know if uh, again I don't want to play doctor, but I I just think um. It's scary seeing those two injuries in obviously 2020. We didn't have a full season. So basically two consecutive seasons, he had two elbow related injuries uh, where he missed a lot of time. That's just, uh, it's it's really concerning. I think another gorilla in the room on this is, you know, Tampa Bay is not exactly known for letting their starters go super deep in games. And, if they are thinking about managing his – I'm not saying they don't want him to pitch all the way through. They're not going to skip starts and things like that. But if they're saying, why in the world will we let you go seven, eight innings when we've you know, we we've done this for years, we know what to do, I could see them pulling him after five. I could see them uh, – you know, I could see his pitch count being high. He does not exactly a strike thrower one day. And then pulling him at four and a third innings. They are known for that. And it just drives me crazy. So if, if you've got a guy who's, who's maybe not the most durable guy the last few years, let's assume he's healthy now. I think they play it safe this year, and they don't give him a huge workload. They don't let him go super deep into games. I think he's a very risky pick uh, around who he's going. I'm not saying I wouldn't take him, but I don't want him there. Especially if they're in playoff contention. Like, you yes, want to rush in the playoffs, so – you don't, want, you don't want to make sure that, you know, you don't want them at like 150 innings going in the playoffs. I wouldn't right. think. But, right. Um, one, yeah. one thing yeah. for the glass now lovers, though, I will add, uh, knowing Tampa, is there's zero chance that Tampa is going to uh, keep him through that contract. They have him $5 million next year and then $25 million after. So this will be his final year on Tampa at $5 million. So they might use him like a rental car. Yeah. I know he pitched innings, so he can't go that high, but – They'll flip him for next year. They don't. They're not gonna. I don't think they're gonna baby him as much as we think. Because that's a good point. That's that's what I was gonna say. Is like the the guarantee is basically, um, yeah. Jason covered it perfectly. Like the the guaranteed money. Like they they're not worried about him making money in arbitration. They're not worried about whatever. And yeah, it's it's pretty much built in. It's it's implied that they're gonna trade him after this year. If if you know maybe maybe not even through the end of this year it might be at the deadline so um yeah I, i'm not I'm not super concerned about them limiting his innings but yes the the five inning thing is definite a definite concern you know and if they showcase him and let's say he does get moved let's assume that he gets moved to a contender and it's it's probably good for wins and such um but with all that said it still doesn't change the fact that he pitched five innings last year. If he pitches for the Dodgers, he still pitched five innings last year. At some point, they have to say, we can't let him pitch 190 innings. I just don't think that's feasible. Maybe Justin Verlander did it, but I just don't think normal guys do that. 
Maybe maybe they will. I don't know. No, no, I mean he's not a hundred and ninety guy, but there's so few of them that like I think I think you're happy with like I mean, at least the way I look at it, like if he gives you one twenty five, I'm like I would be happy with that. Yeah, like, I was thinking around I was thinking around the same number. I think if you're drafting him there, I I just can't see him going any more than one twenty. Um it's sort of like Byron Buxton. It's almost like he's capped. Well, it's like it's because like DeGrom. Uh, there's just only so many innings he can throw. The, yeah. At least I mean, DeGrom, at least Degrom really only has two two seasons where he missed a significant amount of time, right? Every season prior to that, Degrom has thrown like 200 plus innings. Like Glasnow has zero track record of throw of like being able to stay right. healthy for an entire season. Yeah. Yeah, I just if I, the way I look at it is like if 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 I'm taking Degrom in the second round, and I'm taking Glass now in the sixth round. You kind of just have to look at it the same way, where it's like, I'm I'm taking this knowing it's going to be. You have to look at it like, you know, you have to take a reduced inning workload and say, okay, I can at most hope for 100 innings, and anything beyond that, I'm happy with, and anything below that, I know what I'm getting into here, but it should be low whip high strikeouts that's what those innings are going to be so it's just your risk tolerance but like I, when i'm if i'm taking degrom in the second round like i can't i can't do it assuming that he's going to be 190 you have to say it's going to be 110 and it's going to be whatever 145 150 160 strikeouts in those 110 and anything beyond that is great and anything below that that's the risk i'm taking so I, I just think it's the same way. Obviously, it's a different level of pitcher, but it's yeah, it's it's a it's a extreme, it's an extreme risk. Yeah, I agree. I agree totally. Um, so we got. I'll, we'll just do two more. We'll kind of go a little bit quick with it. We're running a little long. Um, uh, we'll start with AG here. Uh, George Kirby or Logan Gilbert? Oh, I love them both. I love him so much. Uh, I like Gilbert. Um, uh, I'll take Gilbert over Kirby every time, but I love them both. Um, they actually go one-two. Uh, well, they're not one-two on this, but they go really close usually. Um, where is where is? Uh... Yeah, Kirby's at a hundred, um, and and Gilbert's at one eleven. Holy cow! I like Gilbert. DCs. Lucky there. Yeah, I like Gilbert uh, quite a bit. I think I like Gilbert. Because I usually do something different around Kirby, and I'm happy with Gilbert. Um, I've seen them so many times go in the same round. So I get that this is – what was it, 19 drafts, Fish? 18, last 18 drafts, last 18 DCs, yep. uh, I think Gilbert is a workhorse, and I think Kirby will be too. I think they're both going to be uh, similar uh, return. I just think – I think Gilbert is more of a stuff pitcher, and – Kirby is more of a control pitcher, um, and Kirby's also very young, so uh, who knows what he's going to be. But um, what I've seen of Gilbert, uh, I'm very impressed. I love what Seattle's done with the team. I love their bullpen. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. And I just think there's a lot of wins coming to him or Castillo or maybe Kirby too. I just think you're talking about a dynamite rotation and Ray too. So uh, it's really – I'm a I'm a big Gilbert believer. 
Yeah, I think I would actually lean Gilbert as well. We've seen it now for a couple of years, and um, I actually prefer another pitcher that goes around him over both of them. But uh, yeah, I think between well, Gilbert and that, Kirby, better not say it out loud with Jay. No, nah, so I'll tell you what, I'll I'll just say it because the fines the fines are off for tonight. But I like oh. Luis Severino a little bit more than both of them. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think between Gilbert and Kirby, I'll take Gilbert. Jason, what do you think? Uh, I, I like them both. I, th- I think they're pretty close to me, but I would go with Kirby. I think he's a little better per inning. Um, one thing on Gilbert, a little scary is his StatCast page. If you just looked at that, it looks a little gross. He, uh, he gives up a lot of hard hits. Um, I like him, though. I, I think he's pretty good. He could be a monster workhorse. I mean, I like his uh, innings for his uh, age. I mean, he could he could approach 200 this year, I think. So, um, you know, they're very, very close to me. I'm, I'm being nitpick- I'm nitpicking. But uh, Kirby, Ryan, um, I think I like Gilbert more. Um, really, really like his fastball. Uh, he ha- he has a better fastball than Kirby does, which to me is really important when I'm looking at pitchers. Um, Kirby got really lucky in three two counts last year. I don't think he's gonna have a walk rate that low again. Um, and I just think Gilbert sort of has ace upside. I think if he's able to unlock that curveball um, and like Jason touched on, he sort of gets hit hard. And the reason for that is he sort of throws too many strikes. Um, so I think, if, I think he's a few tweaks away from like fully unlocking ace upside. Maybe he unleashes, um, he was throwing a different curveball at the end of the year. So maybe if that curveball works out for him, um, He's gotten his fastball up to like an average of 97 miles an hour. He's really, really, really good fastball. I think he's a tweak or two away from being a very, very good uh, pitcher, in my opinion. Dom? Yeah, I don't really have much more to add. Um, I'm comfortable with both. I don't think I've drafted either one. I think I like Kirby a little more on a – like Jason said, on a per inning basis, I think he's just um, a little bit better in terms of, you know, he just, he really, and maybe it's luck. I just, I think he came up with the, um, like, you know, throughout the minors as just being like super efficient, um, you know, striking out, like not, you know, not really walking a lot of guys. um, and, And he showed that in his first year, um, in the majors, the fact that he threw 130 innings was kind of um, surprising to me just because um, I, I was a little concerned last year of how he would kind of ramp up. Because I think um, in was he what uh, was he hurt in 2020 uh, or was it just straight up the COVID year? He just kind of lost it and only pitched in uh, in the yeah. Uh, camp. Yeah, that's probably what it was. Okay. I, yeah. I couldn't remember because, like, I he I th- I know he threw. I'm looking at he threw like 90 innings in 2021. So I don't know if he came off of Tommy John or something like that. But um, I remember there was some concern about how many innings he'd be able to throw um, last year. So the fact that he threw 130, and you know, I think he did really well. Um, uh, but I, I don't think you can go wrong either way. So I, I can't really add 
much more than what the other guy said. I think yeah, Kirby but they, from Double A, didn't he? He came straight from Double A, I think. He threw two. Yeah, he threw two innings at Triple A last oh, year. Okay. I don't know if that was that might have been like just you know during a rehab or something like that, but because uh, I think yeah. right around the All Star game, I think they sent him down for a little bit, right? Yes. Uh, to kind of yes. Um, so that you know, might manipulate the roster. So yeah, so yeah, he he only pitched um, at Double A prior to. Um, Oh, actually, it's impressive for a young pitcher to jump. No, in 2021, he threw sorry, he threw 67 innings in 2021, and then last year he threw 24 innings in trip in double A, and then he came up to the majors. So that was that was my concern. He only threw 67 innings before last year, and he threw 156 between the minors and majors last year. So that was quite a ramp up, actually. So I guess that's my only concern about Kirby is like. He did ramp up his innings, and I guess that might be old caveman thinking in terms of, um, you know, how you look at pitchers' workloads and stuff like that. But that seems to be kind of aggressive for for like a 23-year-old pitcher, or I guess he's he's almost 25 now. But it seems to be an aggressive jump, so that would be my only concern going into this year. Um, So maybe I would give the edge to Gilbert then, just because he's done a couple years now in the majors in terms of, um, you know, workload. Yeah, one thing I do like about Kirby is, you know, the walks per nine. He doesn't walk very many guys. Um, you know, he had 1.5 walks per nine while still striking out nine. And, you know, his first taste of the big league action, but, you know, that's pretty solid. And then on top of that, he had a really high BABIP last year. You know, I don't know uh, what exactly caused that, but a 343 BABIP is pretty high. So, you know, I think we could see some improvement there. Uh, the main reason I take Severino over both of them is most of you guys know I'm a whip drafter. Severino's always had a really good whip, and you know we just haven't seen a, a great whip from either one of, of those guys, Seattle guys, yet. So um, that's just kind of last thing I got to say about that. And um, we got uh, we'll just do one more here, one more comparison. Um, Ag, let's start with you, Hunter Green or Nick Lodolo? Oh boy. Yeah, well, you got some doozies here. Where'd you come up with all these? Uh, <laughs> I told you, like, these are all, like, they're yeah, next you know, to each other in ADP, and I don't really, outside of the Tristan mckenzie glass comparison, um, I'm, like, 50-50 on basically all the rest of them. I am, I am not a Hunter Green drafter, and that's going to probably not sit well with this crew because I know most of, most of the guys love him. I'm a Lodolo guy. I'm trying to. I'm actively trying to get Lodolo, um, and and even moving up to get him. You know, a little earlier, uh, and not doing well at it either. I might add. Uh, I think other people are on that same page. I find him going ahead of where I see him with ADP. I think Lodolo's control combined with the K's uh, gives him a little edge. I realize Green K's the world. I just don't trust that whip in that ballpark. I want somebody who's limiting base runners. I want somebody who I like. I like that he's a lefty. Um, you know, it, it really comes in handy. You know, to to kind of limit damage against other lefties. Um, I just really, I'm, I'm, I'm just not a Green guy, which is going to make me take Lodolo. I, I like Lodolo's stuff. I like Lodolo's control. 
Um, he's, I think he's, are they similar age? It's not a big deal. They're both young, but uh, I like Lodolo quite a bit, quite a bit. I don't like the team. Uh, you know, they're not going to win a lot of games, but just purely from like stats, you know, pitching stats. Yeah. It's the team context. That's just, I think keeping them, both of them, their prices down, just pitching in that park, not a very good, right. You know, not a very good team. So the, the, the wins is going to be an issue for both of them. I think regardless how well they do, but uh, yeah, I, I um, let's go to you, Dom. Like, what do you think? Uh, what do you think between Hunter green and Nick Lodolo? Yeah, I agree with Anthony, like green. Uh, I'm not a green drafter. I don't have him anywhere. Uh, you know, he, he gives up so many home runs kind of, scares me i i I know he strikes out a ton of people i'm looking at his k rates you know in the minors they're all they're lodolo and him are both they kind of go about it different ways but they're both like 20 plus you know k minus walk percentage guys which is is really really good um you know green does it with more strikeouts and and more strikeouts and more walks and Lodolo does it with a little less strikeouts, a little more, uh, a little less strikeouts, a little less walks. So it's just, you know, obviously strikeouts is a category, but I'm, I don't have as much concern about Lodolo getting blasted as I do green. Um, And in that ballpark, that is a legit concern. Um, Even if you're not a, a home run, you know, home run guy, you know, you can still get blasted in, in that park. So um, if I had to choose, I would choose Lodolo. Um, but I get the love for green and I get, you know, what, what he can do for your team, especially, um, you know, if he continues to improve. So, um, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the thing for me about green is just how he finished the season, right? Like the last eight starts, um, it's from July 9th on, 46 and a third innings, 66 strikeouts, a 175 ERA, and a .97 whip. And that home run problem that you had talked about, .4 home runs per nine in his last eight starts. So, um, if, and obviously, you know, he's a super elite in case. So it's just... Uh, I've, I've already drafted a bunch of green. I love them as like my SP three. If I have a couple of really good ratio, um, you know, a couple horses at the top, but I do think that the wins are going to lack for both of them. So um, I get why people are off of uh, both of them. And I get why people are on both of them because they both strike out at high, wonderful strikeout numbers. So Ryan, what do you think about these two? I, um, I think Hunter Green has Spencer Strider upside. Um, and like you said, in the second half of the season, that's how he finished. Um, if you look at if you look at Hunter Green's end of season stuff and command metrics, they're almost identical to Spencer Strider. Um, my issue with Lodolo is that a left-hander uh, with poor command in that ballpark, um, right-handed batters last year, uh, he had a 425 FIP, uh, 252 batting average against with, against right-handers last year. Uh, against lefties, 158 FIP, uh, 109 batting average, and his strikeout rate was uh, 
over 10 percentage points higher against left-handers than right-handers. Um, so I think teams are just going to be pounding right-handed bats uh, against Lodolo in that ballpark, and I really, really um, would not be comfortable starting him there uh, as often as you'd have to be, you know, drafting him where he's going. I just think uh, I think Green's a much better pitcher, and I think he has much, much higher upside, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Jason. Yeah, I, I agree with the last two comments Ryan made about Green's a better pitcher and has more upside. I just don't have comfort that his arm will be in the socket at the end of the year. <laughs> so I'm going to Lodolo for that reason. Guys who throw that hard break down. He's already broken down before. And uh, again, if he stays healthy, it could be top 10 and prolific. So I, I, I don't think either of them are a terrible pick where they go. I mean, Lodolo could have like 240 strikeouts, you know, green could uh, lead, lead the league in strikeouts. So it, it, it could go well. I understand, you know, if you have a couple big pitchers before them, I can see it making sense, but um Green scares me too much with uh, big money on the line. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. He throws ridiculously hard. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's all I got for for uh, the player comparisons. You guys, anything else you guys want to discuss or before we get out of here? Oh, I think we covered a lot. No, no, thanks, thanks. It was good, good discussion. Bunch of guys yeah. that I don't have either of. So it's like, you know, I'm debating two guys that I'm like, I'm out on both. But, you know, like, it's it's good to think about. And obviously, you know, you guys uh, always make me think about things a different way. So I appreciate yes. this conversation. What you just said, Dom, is exactly what everyone who's listening to pods should be doing right now. Even if you have a prejudice when you come in and you say, I'm making this up. I like Lodolo over Green. When you hear Ryan and Jason say, or, or Ryan say, I, I like uh, Green because of these reasons, I dislike, in, in the comparison only, I dislike Lodolo because of these reasons. Try to, try to see if you can open up your mind to looking at players who you, who you had ruled out. It doesn't mean you have to take Green, but the idea right now at this time of draft season is to, is to look into as many players as you can instead of, um, putting blinders on in January. Um, it's very important to not only try to look for really good values, but to also look at ways to look at players maybe that you weren't looking at before when you evaluate. Um, Ryan is superb, of course, but there's so many smart people out there that think about things differently than me. And listening to these pods, listening to you guys, it's very important to open your mind. That would be the one thing I would take away from this. Yep, I agree, hundred percent. Well, guys, thanks for thanks for joining Ryan and I tonight. Um, do you guys want to let people know where they can find you on Twitter, or do you guys not care about that stuff, or what do you think? I, I have a couple of comments I'd like to make. Um, don't wait to sign up for these NFBC live events if you're going. Make the make the life easier for Greg, Derek, and Tom. Those guys have been through a lot the last couple of years. They had to deal with the football fiasco recently. Sign up early. It's going to be a record, record-breaking uh, event. You got to get in. It's going to be nuts with March Madness. So I know a lot of people like to lurk around. Every league is going to be tough. Jump in. And uh, Monday, the 27th, there's an auction at 10 a.m., and I expect to see you in there. <laughs> 
<laughs> Love it. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, getting the leagues, uh, you know, I think we're seeing some people maybe being a little bit disappointed that they weren't able to join Gladiators because they're all full now. Um, I, just get in, get in. You, you snooze, you lose, right? So, all right, cool. Well, that should uh, that should do it. Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. We will see everybody next time. All right, thanks guys. Thank you for once again tuning in to another episode. Ryan and I really appreciate the support. You can find me on Twitter at Pile of Dial. Ryan is at Ven underscore Armbarn. In the words of the legendary Tupac Shakur, even though you're fed up, you got to keep your head up. Peace.